Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Yo, what's up? I'm Derek Truthseeker, and you're now tuned in to the Mythicist Podcast. Tonight, we're going to be speaking with Alan Nichols. We got some really deep subject matter tonight. We're going to be speaking about homosexuality. And I think it's with a, you know, much concern and much, you know, wrestling within my own spirit to to want to even address this subject, just because everything that's going on right now um, in the, you know, social front of it all and, you know, gay marriage being passed as legal and, and just seeing the spirit out there that if you, that if you disagree with homosexuality or you have an opinion that differs from the majority, uh, then you're demonized and you're unfriended from people who may feel a certain type of way, which I've seen personally just by sharing a, a, a video or an article. And I haven't really been too vocal about it, but there's a lot to say about this subject. And so tonight we're simply going to hear one man's story and we're going to see um the different uh paths that he's been down and the things that he's dealt with with coming out of homosexuality so i wonder if many people who are involved in that lifestyle is that even possible people say that once you know you're born gay and so this is not something that you choose or you can choose to come into or choose to leave but it's something that people are claiming that you're born this way so I have questions myself, and I've dealt with a lot of people um, who are participating in that lifestyle. And I've had questions myself uh, as a teenager, as a kid. So we're going to address some of these things and hopefully answer some of your questions. And hopefully if you're looking um, for some truth tonight, that you'll find it in, in this broadcast. So I want to thank everybody for, for tuning in, if you're listening to this live or if you're catching us on YouTube or the site, mythicist.me, you can check out the first and second hour as well as some of the other sh uh, shows that we have as well. And um, we have a whole list of archives of shows that we've been doing over the past you know, two, three years now that we've interviewed many um, people from different <laughs> fields, people who are authors, hip-hop artists, um, lecturers. We've got some of the greats as James Gilliland, um, Jordan Maxwell, uh, Trisha McCannon, all of these people who are into esoteric anatomy, Santos Bonacci, who's going to be coming back on the show. Uh, so we have this whole list and roster of shows that we've done in the past. So you can go to mythicist.me to browse the archive and so I just want to say a big thank you to you guys listening right now and to everyone who is supported we offer a monthly membership uh, to support us by um, any donation of five dollars and above anybody wants to come on and partner with us to bring forth more podcasts and we do a monthly private webinar where we get 
speakers and lecturers and people who are have devoted their lives to spirituality, we get them to come on and share their stories and, and, and share different techniques and things like that. So we do those once a month live interactive webinars for the partners, and they are also archived for partners as well. All of this stuff and more is at mythicist.me. And if you believe in what we're doing here, um, if it's not so much to ask, I and mean, you believe in what we're doing, $5 a month at the very minimum would help us go a long way and pay to keep these shows and stuff coming. So thank you so much for even considering to do that. Um, and now we are going to bring on our guest, Mr. Alan Nichols. How you doing, brother? Hello. I'm doing well. How are you, Derek? Shalom, shalom. It's been a while. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I understand completely. Yeah. Me and Alan have um, been talking probably at least a year now, just through social media and having a couple hangouts via Skype. And he just led our previous um, webinar entitled Christ Consciousness. So that's that's on the site as well for for all the members. Definitely check that out. That was a, a great time of fellowship in the spirit and just really um, diving into the aspects of what it means to walk in the consciousness of Christ. And so that was an amazing webinar we did there. So our relationship is growing, and we're we're planning on doing more things in the in the future. He's assisted me on some podcasts as well, but um, he's an awesome guy, man. So thanks for coming on the show, buddy. It's good to have you. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate all that, and and it's been a pleasure just to work with you and just to get to know you uh, myself as well. Yeah. Totally, so totally. Um, the, the, the feeling, feeling is mutual. mutual. <laughs> <laughs> Great mind. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, no, it's all good. So, yeah, man, this is nothing really scripted. Uh, there's just, I mean, I know, I know you've shared your story with me in in the past, and you know, bits and pieces and things like that. I have questions, and um, I'm sure our, our listeners do as well. And there's so many different ways and angles to um, approach this. But let's just start off with. Um, just letting people know what you're doing right now. Besides, before we go into any of the past and the things that you've been through, where are you at right now? Okay. Right now I am working for a, uh, just as far as my uh, business life and all of that, uh, my professional life, I work for a local team and uh, rehabilitation center. And uh, they are statewide. It's a statewide organization funded by the state. And, um, Anyway, I work in their IT department, and I handle all of their networking and desktop support issues, things of that nature, um, all the VoIP phone system and everything like that. In fact, I just installed a 100-phone VoIP system for them uh, just last month. So that's what I'm doing uh, job-wise at the moment. But um, And I'm also into music production and uh, video games. I'm a big gamer and nerd and uh, <laughs> all of that kind of stuff as well. Um, so I have a lot of different things going on on the side, uh, everything from web design and I do IT on the side as well and uh, all of that um, as well as just sharing the love of, of Christ with people wherever I go and, and just doing the daily life thing, you know. I know um, you have a uh, a um, separate a- account on um, Facebook and social media called Transfigured. Tell That's us a little correct, bit yes. about that. What's that Basically, 
Okay. Well, transfigured is um, it's a it's a name that I've always appreciated uh, from the story in the Bible about the transfiguration. And um, for me, I I spelled it tramp like T R A N C E because I've had a lot of ecstatic experiences with God. I consider myself to be uh, a modern Christian mystic, and um, you know, I basically. Uh, came into Christianity that way. It was all about um, experiencing God. It wasn't just about an intellectual knowledge of God. And so, uh, you know, basically I wanted to create a page where I could talk more about those kind of things and keep it separate from my personal page where I share more business things and stuff like that. So just I have like a professional page that's me. Um, even though I do share a lot of things on there that I probably shouldn't. But, uh, you know, but anyway, Transfigured is is a place where it's just sort of anonymous where people don't know me as well professionally and things like that, where I can share whatever I want to share. And then of course my, my website is transfigured.com and um, I'm still working on that. I've got a new theme and uh, I've been doing construction on that in my spare time as well, trying to revamp it and get it to where I want it to be. So, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy working with uh, different people. I, I do a lot of, uh, one-on-one counseling uh, locally. I, I help a lot of other people over the net via Skype and things like that. Um, you know, I just help people that are in spiritual difficulties. Um, I, I counsel people that are going through difficult times, um, you know, and I do everything that I can to help people that are truly in need, uh, that, that truly want to be helped. And, you know, I operate in a deliverance ministry and things of that nature. And, um, you know, just basically all around life issues that people tend to go through. And sometimes you just need some help. You just need somebody to talk to that can understand. And because I have been through so many different things in my own life and on my own journey, I'm able to relate to a lot of people, everything from, you know, teens, young teens, all the way up to adults in their, in their seventies or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. God's, God's just given me a gift and an ability to be able to counsel and to help people. So I enjoy doing that as well. That's awesome. And I think that, uh, it's going to kind of be self-explanatory when we get into your story or where that passion and drive comes from. So now that right. we know where you are now, let's go back and start peeling back the layers of this, man, because I know there's many different layers and many different aspects. Where do you want to start? Where, I mean, where do we start? Well, because, I mean, do I, we I go just, back to I a... Want, I wanted to just say one thing, just just off the jump, just really quick. Um that, that, you know, it, it does say, this is one thing you were mentioning earlier about, is it possible for somebody to change? And uh, mm-hmm. I believe that this is something that so many people don't even realize is possible. Not only is it possible, but it is something that happens a lot. It's just that we don't so much hear about it. Um, you know, it's not really so much in the media today. But um, in First in Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, this is right after the verse that says, you know, basically, don't be deceived. These type of people, and it rattles off a list of people, you know, these are the ones that they will not share or have any share in the kingdom of God. And it says in verse 11, it says, And such some of you were once, but you were washed clean, purified by a complete atonement for sin, and made free from the guilt of sin, and you were consecrated, set apart, hallowed, and you were justified, pronounced righteous by trusting in the name of the Lord Jesus and in the Holy Spirit of our God. And so, that to me is and such what some of you were, you know, that's past tense. Those people aren't like that anymore. There's been a heart change. There's been a literal transformation that's taken place in their life. 
And so that is basically what my message is all about and what my story is all about, is the reality that all things are possible with God. And that includes lifestyle changes. That includes any kind of change that you want to have. Um, anything is possible with him. And so going back to where it all began, um, I believe that if you look at, I've done a lot of research over the years and, and just in my own personal story, um, you, you have to go back and look at the patterns because there are patterns that happen. And whether people realize it or not, on planet Earth, we're in a, a war. It's a spiritual war that is going on for people's souls. And, you know, I, I say this not to, you know, broadcast fear or anything like that, but, you know, if you're in a battle, you need to know about it. If you're in a war, if, you're, if you don't understand what's going on, it says that people perish for the lack of knowledge. And, you know, a lot of people don't even realize what's really going on. We look around and we see all these mass shootings happening. We see all this negative stuff happening on the earth, and we're like, why is this all happening? Well, the reason that it's all happening is because there is a war for people's souls. And the number one way that the powers of darkness work in the earth today is through people who don't understand, who don't know their authority, and they don't know their identity. And so one of the main things Mm -hmm. for me... Um, going back into my early years, this was like during, you know, um, the early years of my life. My mom and dad were happily married, and there came about a real division in their relationship. And that's a whole long another story, so I'll keep that simple. But just so you know, they divorced when I was six months old. And so it was really hard on my mom, and I never really understood. Of course, I had such a major lack of uh, a father figure in my life. And so that left me with this misunderstanding because anytime that a parent's divorced, the child thinks that it's their fault. Deep down inside, like they think they've done something wrong. And so I would ask my mom all the time, what, why doesn't my dad want me? Why doesn't he love me? And of course, you know, she would tell me that that wasn't true, but because I never really saw him or anything like that, I thought he has to, you know, I could just tell there was a void there for some reason. And so it caused me to be very insecure, and uh, not to mention the fact that my mom remarried several different times after my dad, and so I had a lot of abusive uh, stepfathers. I had, uh, you know, guy, one guy, like, handed me a glass of pine saw one night instead of a Pepsi, you know, just really hateful things were done to me as a, early as a child, and uh, another husband, that, that husband that gave me the pine saw, he... Uh, would just beat me with a belt and use the, the end of the, with the buckle. Like he would hit me with the buckle into the belt, you know? And so I'd have bruises all up and down my back and uh, on my rear end and stuff. And my grandmother, um, one time when she saw it, she flipped out, took Polaroid pictures and just came barging in at my mom's house and, you know, basically told him if she ever saw another bruise on me, she'd put him under the prison. And so, you know, it was like, there was a lot of conflict at home, a lot of dysfunction. And, um, you know, then my mom later remarried, and um, when she remarried, there was uh, the relationship that she was in then was with a man that was very religious, and he was also very abusive, and so um, not sexually, but just verbally and mentally. And so to me, um, you know, those things hurt so bad. I mean, just the violent words and the violent actions and all of the things, I lived in fear. And, you know, I was told whatever goes on in this house stays in this house, you know. And so um, 
naturally, uh, and I went to private school all during my early years. The, the one thing about him, even though he was abusive and all that, was that, you know, they put me in private schools. They always tried to keep me a little bit sheltered from the world and stuff like that. So I did have that in my favor, but that was the only thing. And then in high school, my, um, or my eighth grade year, I'm sorry, it was right before I went into high school, my eighth grade year, they pulled me out of private school and threw me into public school. And so it was like throwing a sheet to the wolf. You know, I had no idea what that world was even like. And so I go in and I'll never forget, like the first day, I was a skater back then, you know, I, I like to ride a skateboard and stuff and I could do all kinds of tricks and all that. And there was this unknown like war that went on between the, the football players and the skaters. And I, I never knew that even such a thing existed, but apparently because I rode a skateboard, I was a target for all the jobs. And so I got picked on mm-hmm. constantly by these guys. They were football players and stuff, you know. And so that, like, was a constant tension, just being bullied at school. You know, I never really fit in with other people because I was, like, always artsy and creative. And, you know, I was a gamer, like I said, and stuff like that. And everybody else seemed to have, like, their own little world, you know, all the preps and all the jocks and all that kind of thing. And, and I never really fit in with those type of people. So anyway, long story short, that that was how high school went, you know, and uh, – but the very first day of school, now, uh, getting back into just some of the homosexual stuff, I want people to really understand this before I go any farther, is that, you know, when I was little, I always felt like there was something different about me. And one of the lies, that was one of the lies that the, the enemy really tried to play into in my life, was because I always knew there was something different about me. I couldn't really tell you what it was. And um, I do have... Uh, memories of homosexual stuff that happened even at like four and five years old when I was really, really young. And it was more like childhood experimentation. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't uh, obviously it was just experimentation when you were that age. But I grew up with this awareness that I was like, I had something for the boys, you know, like I actually liked them and I felt safe with them. There was something about them that made me feel comfortable. And so I grew up with that type of thinking, and it was always in the back of my mind, and I never thought there was anything wrong about it. You know, I never, I never really uh, wrestled with it much until I went to, high, went to the eighth grade uh, just before high school. And the very first day of school, um, I recognized this one person from across the class, and I just decided that day that he was the person that I was going to go after. And, um, and that, and that was exactly what happened. I did. I pursued him for uh, a friendship and a sexual relationship and it took about six months, but eventually all that started to change. And I started to just, you know, uh, we started to experiment and things like that. And I, this was when I was 13 and it grew from there and just escalated even more. And, uh, you know, finally it got to where we, he was horrified that somebody was going to find out what was going on. And so he ended up uh, splitting up with me or whatever. And so I was just devastated. It was like my first real heartbreak, you know. And uh, plus I was I was under so much emotional stress because I was afraid of what people would say if they found out, you know, of course. And, and back then, you got to realize, um, living in Alabama, this is in like, I'm almost 40 now. So you know, living in Alabama, it wasn't, it wasn't accepted here. Like homophobia was everywhere. And especially where I went to school, I went to like a, a really redneck school, you know? So, uh, I mean, it was, it was like, I was living dangerously just to even be doing what I was doing. And so, but I didn't care. I was just like, you know, I wanted to feel happy. And I felt like that was what was going to make me happy. 
And so um, shortly after that, after after we split up, that's when I got into, like, I started drinking and, you know, things like that. Um, and I started cutting right about that same time. And this was way before cutting was cool or anybody even knew what cutting was. I just knew for me that when I cut myself, I felt a release of the pain that I felt inside. And, um, you know, there's no way that we're going to be able to get in this one session all of what happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, and all the emotional turmoil that I went through. But, you know, I knew that when I cut myself that I felt this relief. And uh, years later, doing research and everything, I would find out later that cutting yourself is actually a way to invoke even more demonic spirits into your life. And mm-hmm. I was doing all this without even knowing what I was doing, um, you know, but, but I did have experiences uh, when I was young where there were demonic spirits that started to manifest in my room. And um, some people may or may not believe in the demonic, but I'm telling you, they're real. <laughs> uh, they are very real and they are actually cunning and sneaky like nothing else I've ever seen. And so they came at me when I was just, you know, a teenager, just a young teenager at that, and started messing with me in my room. And that's when all of this, um, this stuff just got really out of control. And I kind of came to a place where I had to make a decision about what I was going to do. And so there were a couple of other relationships that developed throughout high school. And uh, high school was just a nasty mess for me because, um, you know, I basically had one best friend that kind of brought me to the point where I was ready to come out. But then once I got comfortable and I told a few of my close friends about what I was dealing with and what I you know, felt like I was doing there, uh, this other girl goes to a party while all my friends are tripping on acid and tells them all that, that I'm gay. And so it was like I got dragged out of the closet. You know, it was like I never even, you know, it was like I felt so horrified. And 90% of those friends turned their back on me completely rejected me. I started getting bullied at school, even worse, you know, people trying to fight me, all kinds Mm -hmm. of stuff going on like that. And so anyway, that was sort of like the high school days, you know, um, that's, that's what I went through, uh, back then. And, um, I started getting into drugs, you know, started getting high before I went to school. And then I eventually dropped out of high school because things got so bad. I just couldn't take it anymore. Plus I was having so much abuse at home that I had DHR show up at the school. They were wanting to take me away from my mom. And, uh, you know, that was just putting a lot of pressure on me, too, because I didn't want to leave my mom. But at the same time, I was miserable in the house that I was in. And, um, you know, it was like I was stuck just went to rock in a hard place. I just didn't know what to do. And so I remember during those later years in high school, right before I quit, that I kind of came to this place where it was like God was saying, you're going to have to choose. And, you know, I had prayed. I had talked to God about it. I, I believed in God when I was younger, you know, from going to church and all that. And uh, But I, I came to this place where I prayed, and I was like, God, would you please take this away? You know, like, if this is wrong or, you know, whatever, I mean, I'm just so horrified of what's going to happen. And because I didn't get an answer to that prayer, um, I just started to believe that God wasn't real. And because he didn't do what I thought he should do, um, and he didn't answer me the way that I thought he should answer me, um, I turned my back on God. And I dove off but with both feet into drugs and into the club scene uh, and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so, anyway, then uh, after that, shortly after that, I got involved with the rave scene. And that's when I got into DJing and um, taking ecstasy and all of that. And I found acceptance in the rave scene where I didn't find it at school and all that. Um, you know, and then basically uh, that went on for, that took me into a whole nother world. You know, I started DJing. I became really popular. I was traveling all over. I was meeting all kinds of different guys. I was, you know, for 14 years, I was uh, basically doing drugs every day, um, you know, partying every day, having sex every day, in and out of relationships. I always tried to have solid relationships um, that, you know, I wanted those relationships to last. But unfortunately, they never really seemed to last. And um, it wasn't for a lack of trying either. You know, it was just that I, I found it over and over and over. It was like this competition of jealousy and you know there was just so much negative behavior and slander and gossip and all this kind of stuff that went on in that in the particular circles that I was in um you know and I've experienced that pretty much everywhere that I've gone in homosexuality people you know making fun of each other and kind of picking on each other it's like coarse jesting type stuff you know and then not to mention just being flat out mean and flat out rude and now I'm not saying that about, you know, all gay people, obviously, because that's not true. I mean, it's, you know, it's like you have different kinds of people in all different walks of life. But, um, you know, for me, I just, I found myself in some really bad circles and uh, I found myself miserable, you know. And so in 1998, I was um, in a relationship with a guy that was bulimic and he was, uh, he was literally, you know, throwing up in cups and leaving them sitting around the house and stuff like that. And, uh, and it's just awful, you know, but looking back, I was just so in love with him. I didn't care about all the other stuff. And we were on drugs. We were doing meth together and, uh, all kinds of stuff, staying up days and days at a time. And, uh, we were in Atlanta one night and this drug dealer that we were with left us in Atlanta and we started crashing off meth. We were staying at some guy's apartment we didn't know. And long story short, we got in a fight. And um, it was like a knockdown drag out. And the police were called and they arrested both of us. And I sat in jail for 58 days in Atlanta um, before we would finally be able to be released on time served. And so they charged us with a simple battery when we went in. By the time we were able to see a judge and get released, uh, we were charged with three counts of battery. And they had changed the charge. So it was it was kind of a shady experience anyway. But while I was in jail, I was sitting there eating one day, and this guy came up and he said, um, I thought he was going to try and beat me up and take my food. He was like a big dude with tattoos and all this kind of stuff. And uh, he looked like a skinhead, you know, to me. And so he came up and he was like, hey, man, um, I really felt like God wanted me to come over here and tell you that we have a Bible study today. And I just laughed because I was like, that was the last thing I expected you to say, you know? And uh, so anyway, I started going to the Bible study with him. And, you know, it was kind of weird. I mean, these, you know, five or six guys sitting around in their cells clapping and singing songs. I kind of felt stupid and all that. But the truth is that that's really where things started to shift in my life. And, um, you know, I started to be a little bit more open-minded about the concept of God because the way I looked at it was after as much as I had been through, you know, maybe maybe I needed to give God a chance. Maybe there was more, and, and since I was so miserable, you know, maybe I needed to just let him have an opportunity to 
give him the opportunity to see what he would do in my life, you know? And so um, I, I ended up getting out of jail and uh, ended up back on drugs again. And shortly after that, I checked myself into rehab in the year 2000. And uh, I had been up for nine days when I got there. And it took me three days just to get to where, like, I could actually even somewhat function enough to be able to sit through sessions and things like that. Um, I'll never forget the first day that I walked into a session. uh, You know, I was just trying to sit there and be normal. And this was about the second day after I'd been there. And uh, it was like the presence showed up, and I just bust into tears and just sat there just crying and crying and crying. And uh, the guy that was teaching the class came over there and he said, hey, man, you need to go get some more sleep. Like, why don't you go back to your room and rest a little bit more? And he just had a lot of (laughs) compassion for me, you know. And so he sent me back and I went and laid down. I slept. I I literally slept like three days when I first got there because I had been running, running from people, running from life, running, you know, just on the run, man, living fast track. And, uh, you know, it was rough. So I went through rehab. And in that rehab, it was a Christ-centered rehab. It was. 12-step program, and, uh, you know, it, it really helped me. Like, this was some foundational things. Um, I experienced God there. There was there was a guy that taught a class, uh, his name was Mike Bynum, and he taught a class about hearing God. And so mm-hmm. I signed up for that, you know, because it sounded really cool. And uh, I started going to this prophetic class and, and hearing uh, Mike teach about how to hear God, and he would demonstrate different things. And it was it was kind of strange to me, but yet I was open-minded enough to where I wanted to hear it. And so uh, just some of those things really stuck with me, you know. And then I got out of rehab shortly after that. I was there for about nine weeks. And once I got out, I uh, did really well for about three years. I stayed clean and sober. And then one day... Out of the blue, I get a phone call, and it's from someone that I used to know uh, that was a former sexual partner. And it was like all of a sudden I was hit with this temptation out of left field. And I hadn't even thought about that stuff in three years. You know, it was like, but all of a sudden I couldn't deal with the urges anymore. It was like I started thinking about him and all this kind of stuff. And so I ended up getting him to meet me, and uh, I brought him back to my apartment. And I, I honestly had no intentions of anything happening. I just wanted to tell him my story. But, of course, as I would later find out, that's not a very safe thing to do in most circumstances. And I ended up falling. And after that, it led me to where I was online looking for a relationship because I just, um, I, I was just, I felt like I had failed. And I felt like, you know, I just wanted to give up and just dive back into the whole uh underground world again and and i guess i just let let go of what of all the solidity that i had in my life you know i felt broken and i just didn't know how to process through it all and so instead of doing what i should have done which is going to talk to somebody i didn't really feel like i knew who to talk to so i just did what i always did and went back to the mud puddle you know and so um i ended up meeting somebody online ended up you know hooking up with him and we got in a relationship and we're together for three years and during those three years, I never went back to meth again, but I started using cocaine and um, taking pills and all of that kind of stuff. And I was just a total nightmare, man, just living the worst life that you can imagine. It was it was horrible. And uh, the one thing about it was the guy that I was with was so good to me. And, you know, like, I mean, it, it was like if I could have had a perfect relationship, it would have been like that. It was like with him, that was how I felt. But yet I was 
still miserable. I was still so empty inside. No sex could satisfy me. No, you know, no amount of, of anything could, could help me. I was just so um, devastated in all the years of pain and hurt, you know, that I had been through. It was like, um, and, and I just, I finally just came to the end of my rope. By the time three years had rolled around, we had started getting violent with each other, and we had gotten in a few fights and things like that. And that was the other thing is that I continually saw this negative fruit of homosexuality. I continued to see that no matter what I did or how hard I tried, that there was never any real fruit in that lifestyle. It, it never did what it promised, which was uh, it, it promised me this life of grandeur and bliss and glamour and, uh, you know, that I would be happy. And, you know, you see people on TV that are gay and it's like all, you know, sunshine and bubble gum, you know. But, but in reality, when you're actually living in that lifestyle, uh, for me, it was, it was completely the opposite of that. You know, you would have those few times where, yeah, it seemed like you were living it up and everything, where you were at the top of your game. But, you know, nobody was there on, like, Wednesday morning when you were coming off crack or, you know, whatever. I mean, it was like uh, everybody looked great on Friday and Saturday night, but, you know, I would like to see some of those people on Tuesday or Thursday morning and see what's going on with them then, you know. They're probably one heck of a wreck. And so I know that was the way it was for me. It was up and down. It was this madding, madness um, roller coaster that I just could not get off of. And so I finally just, one day I was sitting on the side of the road and uh, I was just like, so torn apart, and uh, I don't remember exactly the whole scenario, but I just remember praying this prayer, and I said, God, you know, I really need you, and uh, I, I know you can hear me, and the thing is, is I know what the Bible says, and I know what people say, but I don't really care about either one of those. Like, I want to know what you say, and I want you to tell me, if this is wrong, I want you to show me the way that you see it. Like, please open my eyes, because I feel like I'm blind. You know, I feel like I'm stuck in this cycle that I can't get out of. And if you can help me, I want help, you know. And so I just said that simple prayer on the side of the road. Shortly after that, it was like what I prayed for happened. The veil started to be removed. Every time I would be in a sexual encounter, it would I would see right through it. I would see it exactly for what it was. And, uh, and that is just straight up perversion, you know. And, and perversion, um, before... Anybody gets too heated on that word. Really what perversion means is trying to do the right thing the wrong way. You know, it's it's trying to do something the wrong way. That's all that perversion means. And that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to have love and uh, intimacy in a way that it was not created to be. And there was no fruit that was born out of that. You know, it only caused me more misery. And so... Basically, I uh, decided after three years in that relationship that I would, it was I was done, and uh, I was living in Birmingham at the time. I packed up what I could get in my car. I drove um, back to Gadsden, and once I got back to Gadsden, I pulled up in front of the church where I had been during rehab and stuff, and I had like a network of people there. And right when I pulled up, one of my friends that I hadn't seen in those last three years just happened to be driving by, and so he came up and. Um, basically told me he had just got a new house and you know, I told him what was going on and what I was going through and he invited me to come and stay with him for a little while so I could get on my feet and that was where it all started and um, that was in uh, the year 2006. That was when I came back to Gadsden full force and uh, I basically didn't look back after that, you know, 
Um, let's see. Um, so after that happened, when the real freedom came was, uh, it was in October of 2006. Um, it was about three months after I came back to Gaston. And just to give you a little bit of uh, history on that whole scenario, I had moved back, gotten a job. I was working a full-time job as a graphic artist. And um, I was coming home from work and just reading the Bible and spending time with God because that was what I found to be the most productive thing in my life. It was helping me grow. I was feeling better about myself. My self-esteem was coming back up. Some of the depression was breaking. I was finally starting to have some breakthrough as far as the drugs and stuff go. And so this one night, I'm there, and I'm all by myself, and uh, I was just praying and talking to God because I found out that God is very personal. You know, uh, before, I had always had this concept like he was off in outer space somewhere and that he wasn't really so much interested in me or what was going on in my life, but I later on found that out to be a lie. And I realized that the the uh, intimacy that I could have with God was really the intimacy that I was looking for with another man. Um, it was it was there was nothing uh, impure about it. It was the most pure intimacy that you could ever imagine in a relationship. It's like there's it's unconditional. And I had always felt like God was mad at me because I knew what the scriptures said about the lifestyle that I was living in. And I believe me, I never uh, my stepdad never you know, left out any opportunities to remind me of just how I was an abomination and all that kind of stuff. And so, hey, you hear something long enough, you'll start to believe it. And so I had started to believe that stuff. And this one night I was reading this book called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty by Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin. And uh, basically he was talking about the difference between a pauper and a prince. And, you know, suddenly I had this thing that shifted in my mind where I realized that God didn't look at me as like some beggar. You know, he saw me as a son. And that I wasn't a pauper like, you know, his servant, his slave. I was, he, he saw me as a prince. And it was just like this whole shift that took place in my thinking that night. And so I started to pray through some forgiveness because I felt like, you know, I was just having this encounter with God this one night. And I, and I just felt the Holy Spirit's presence there, presence there so strong. And so I, I started praying through some forgiveness because I asked God and, you know, it's like, do I have any people that I need to forgive or anything? And, and so all of a sudden I started seeing these faces flash up in my mind's eye and I started praying through that and forgiving people and just releasing all the hurt and pain, things like that. And then all of a sudden I remembered this verse where Jesus says, if you're evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And I just said simple prayer, Lord, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And I had, you know, I had seen stuff about the Holy Spirit before, but I had, I'd only had a couple of encounters while I felt his presence like that. But that night, I was literally flooded with the presence of God. He came inside me with so much force and with so much power that I screamed at the top of my lungs. I felt like I was dying from just, it was the most joy that I've ever felt before. And as I've told you, Derek, and, you know, before, it was like for three days, I could barely function. Um, you know, it was all I could do to put my clothes on. It was like all I could do to get up and go to work. And when I got to work, I couldn't do anything. I thought I was going to get fired. As a graphic artist sitting there looking at my computer and just laughing and crying. And, you know, it was like all of a sudden I had, I could see all the colors 
again. It was like all of a sudden, um, you know, it's like back in the day, some of my LSD trips, you know, I used to see all the colors, like it was like bright, you know what I mean? It was like all of a sudden, I'm in this psychedelic experience, except I'm not on drugs, this is real life, and, you know, it's like, wow, this is like, God has wanted me to have this my whole life, and Mm -hmm. here I've been wasting all this time, you know, but... But I thank God for the whole journey because it brought me to him. And so, you know, I don't look back with any regrets or anything like that. I wish I could have done something different, of course, just like we all do. But um, I'm thankful for that because today I'm able to tell people that, you know, change is really possible with God. And, and you know, but anyway, the, the Holy Spirit stuff was where I found this divine romance that I never knew existed. And, you know, it wasn't just an intellectual sitting and reading the Bible every night. Um, Although I will say that once I had that experience with the Holy Spirit, the Bible became a totally different book because Mm -hmm. it was like all of a sudden I had the decoder, you know, and I was able to see through all the things that I wasn't able to see before. And Mm -hmm. instead of reading it and feeling like somebody was beating me over the head with a two-by-four, all of a sudden I started to see it through these eyes of love. And I started to see the beauty um, of the message and what was actually in there. And so uh, that was the uh, the main thing. And then, of course, I started doing some research on my own. Do you have any questions for me or anything um, before I go into the, the next part? <laughs> I have a lot so, of questions, but we can wait to the end. Just keep going. Okay. All right. Let's do that then. Okay. Um, let's see. So some of the terminology that I learned about, one thing that there's a lady named Leanne Payne. And she just recently passed away. Um, But, man, what an amazing lady. And so for me personally, she was one of the best authors as far as dealing with the subject of homosexuality. She has a book called A Broken Image. And that book was like the Bible for me. I mean, honestly, it was there was so much revelation in that book. But it's basically talking about um, one of the terms that she uses is cannibal compulsion. And she's talking about there's like a cannibal compulsion with homosexuality. And here's what that means. Um, When you look at cannibalistic societies and and tribes of cannibals, basically what they do is they try to eat the character traits or they try to eat the pieces of people that they think are going to give them something they don't have. So it's Mm -hmm. like they feel like they're lacking in intelligence, they'll eat the brain. You know, if they're lacking in heart, they'll eat the heart, you know, something like that. Same kind of thing with homosexuality. Like, all the guys that I would be attracted to, they had qualities that I thought I didn't have. And so somehow mm. inside, I thought by me having a sexual encounter with them that it was somehow going to meet this need inside of me. Now, I had no clue that was actually what was happening when I was doing it, when I was going through it. But as I started to study this later on, after I had gotten away from it all, it made so much sense. And I was able to see, you know, like me, honestly, real life, real talk, I have, like, chicken legs. And I always look for people that kind of had stocky legs and stuff, you know. And, and like, it was just like the, all those things that I thought I didn't have, all the things that I was insecure about, I would look for partners that had those features. And so it was always like the whole thing in homosexuality was it was like always trying to find that perfect specimen. It was like always trying to find just this perfect woman to be with and, you know, and I got to where I was such a critic, like I just couldn't be with anybody, you know, because I was too big. And, uh, you know, it was ridiculous. But that's the way that it made me. It was like it, it promised this satisfaction that was never really there, 
you know, will I say that I enjoyed the sexual encounters? You know, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that there was some pleasure in there, right? But at the same time, there was so much pain and heartache in my everyday life. Like, I mean, it was what the pleasure that was there was a joke compared to the hell and the torment that I went through. And so Mm -hmm. naturally, I did what everybody else does. I surrounded myself with people that told me what I wanted to hear. And that's essentially why I believe today so many gay people are like, you know, you have to um, acknowledge them and, they, and, you know, you have to accept their sexuality or they won't have anything to do with you. Because if you don't accept them and their sexuality, it's like that, that is their identity is what they think. But see, like, that's where I found that that's the key to the lie, because the truth is your identity is not in your behavior at all. Your identity is not, your behavior is not your identity. <clears throat> and so the question is, can behavior be changed? Well, sure. Now, you know, I can't sit here and tell you I'm married and I have five kids. But as of August 10th, uh, next month, I will have been celibate for nine years. And, awesome. you know, I, yeah, I honestly celebrate that because that is a miracle, man. Like that is, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I was a guy that was having sex two, three times a day, you know, I mean, it, and it's a very least looking at pornography or whatever, um, you know, and for me to have just been able to, to totally walk away from all that, you know, um, people ask and talk all the time about how they were born gay. And that's how I believed I was born gay. Uh, you know, I, I preached that to so many people for so many years. It was like, it was my, you know, it was a broken record with me. But the mm-hmm. thing is, is that God offers us to, the ability to be born again. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter what kind of sin or behavior issues you're dealing with. He offers you the ability to be set free and to be a new creation, to be made a totally new creation. And, of course, that happens by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And there is no other way. There is no other way to be set free. Uh, you know, your counseling sessions will help you. Um, your therapy sessions will help, but I'll tell you what, if you don't have the power of God in your life, this will be uh, a, a very hard journey for you to go down and you won't find change mm-hmm. for the most part. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying, uh, you know, for me personally, uh, after all the things that I've been through, I'd say yeah. that is the number one way I would go. Yeah. Um, okay. so, and, uh, then, you know, also, I think one of the other things that's sad, just from a Christian perspective, is we've had some of these gay ministries that, like um, Exodus International, things of that nature, um, which they're no longer around anymore. But, you know, to me, it was always really sad because I wanted to be involved in something like that, but it was just ridiculously expensive to be able to, be able to go. And I was like a, a, a drug addict and all that kind of stuff. You know, I barely had money to eat or oh, yeah. spend and 500 bucks on a conference, you know, for a three-day conference. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of stupid. But anyway, but the thing is, is that what would happen is they would, you know, they'd have these guys that were there, and they never really offered real hope. I mean, I went, I read so many books by different authors that claim to be free from the lifestyle, different things like this. And, you know, of course, even some of those guys later on, they would fall, and, and people would look at them and go, see, he told you never, you never change. But the thing is, is that we all have the propensity to fall. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it doesn't matter like who you are. You never really get to this point where you have arrived and where like nothing can turn you away. You know, it's like we all fall into places of, of weakness and different things like that. But I can tell you as a man who has been celibate for nine years and going on 40, that it is possible to live 
and be happy. I, I am so much happier now. That's the thing that I want everybody who's listening to this and hearing my voice, I want you to understand I have so much joy in my life now. For the first time in my life, I am truly happy, and I have this intimate relationship with the creator of all things. He dazzles me on a, on a daily, weekly basis, you know, all the time, blowing my mind, never ceases to amaze me, showing me things that I never even knew existed, things that I never knew about. And so, you know, everything has changed in my life. Like, I'm no longer um, focused on materialistic type of stuff, you know. Um, I, I don't care about all of that type of living, you know, people that have to have all this fancy stuff and all that. I'm completely content with what I have. I'm able to enjoy it, which is the greatest gift of all. And, um, you know, I, I'm me. And I get to, I've had, I've had the opportunity to completely redefine who I am as a man and what it means to be a real man, what type of man that I want to be. And so in my life, I want to be someone that's caring and compassionate that, you know, helps others and, um, you know, basically reaches out when people are in need, that type of stuff, you know, be a blessing to other people and uh, help people get set free. And so I share my story, especially about the addiction side, which there's a lot more to the addiction side than what we got into tonight, obviously. But um, Yeah, well, we're going to go into more of that as well. Okay, cool. All right. Well, um, so anyway, I just want everyone to know that there is real hope, you know, that, that if you're out there tonight and you're struggling in this way, um, you know, or, or just whatever, it may not be homosexuality, you may just be struggling with sexual sin in general. And I just want you to know that you can have faith and that you can believe that God will set you free because he will. And you can live above the snake line. You can live in a place where you're at rest and you're at peace in him and you don't have to, you know, deal with that stuff on a regular basis. You've been given authority over it, and you have been given the ability to come up higher uh, through the blood of Christ. And so I'll just leave that with you. And Derek, feel free to go ahead and ask your questions now. Yeah, well, um, I think we're uh, right at the end of the first hour, so we'll go ahead and transition now. I've got a couple questions I want to go into in the second hour, and I want to address some things as well. Um, I want to um, address the fact that I believe it's an option now that uh, as it's become more mainstream and more accepted and it's become the law of the land, like, you know, <laughs> sodomy is okay now. It's the law of the land. It's okay to do that just because it's legal, you know what I'm saying, doesn't make it righteous or anything like that. But I think it's an option now. So, so therefore, we see a lot more people not coming out of the closet but considering it as an option, as something that, hey, this is something I can try. I won't be belittled if I do it. I'll be accepted and, and all, all of these things. I, w I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about the fact that many believers who come to Christ, confess their sins, give their hearts and lives to Jesus Christ as a homosexual, and they're dealing with that, and they're struggling with that, and they give it to God. And then on the other side, they feel like, the urges and the struggles are going to disappear, but they don't. And so I want to talk about the steps that one can take to quiet those urges and that you are living proof that, that, that there is freedom on the other side, that this isn't something that you have to wrestle with and prove yourself your whole life. This is something that can be erased, correct? That is correct, yes. Awesome. I'm going to go ahead and end it now. We're going to go into the second hour 
over at Memphis.me. And uh, definitely check us out, man. This is going to get pretty deep. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys on the second hour right now. Okay. All right. All righty. So I want to ask you this. I know you said that you felt like you were born that way, right? Was right. there any revelation on the other side of the cross that shows you um, where this started? Did this start when you were four years old having those encounters? Or, or was this something that gr- gradually encountered when you know when the father figure wasn't there? What do you feel like happened for you? Well, basically, what I feel like happened was um, I believe that the uh, childhood experimentation was something that the enemy used later to reaffirm this as my identity because I went through a period where I was searching for who I was. And then when I, when I started to realize that I still had these sexual encounters, uh, these sexual urges, rather, um, it was in the midst of a relationship with a girl in high school. And at first I was sexually attracted to her and we had sex. But then as, as time went on, uh, those urges stopped and, and I stopped feeling attracted to her at all. And so I was really caught in a catch-22 because I was dating her. And at the same time, like, while I would be with her, I would be thinking about other guys. And so, you know, I was really having to wrestle. And and I came to a place where I felt like there was this decision that I had to make. And, you know, it was very subconscious in a way. Um, it, It was like, and I honestly didn't have anybody to talk about this with. Of course, as a you know, as a very young man, 13, 14 years old, trying to process this kind of a decision was very difficult, as you can imagine. But, um, you know, I believe that the demonic spirits that came into my room about that same time that were um, literally groping me, uh, you know, and things of that nature, I believe that they were influencing my mind and my thought life in such an intense way that they helped me make the decision that I chose. And uh, mm-hmm. they definitely coerced me into it. Um, so do so, you think so so do you think that behind every sexual homosexual encounter there is either demonic or unclean spirit influence? Well, that's a really difficult one to answer because I, I think that basically the best way that I can answer that, I don't think that there's always a demonic spirit behind it. I believe that sometimes the demons just get us headed in one direction so passionately that they just go on and leave us alone. You know, I think that uh, they, it's sort of like when you get somebody obsessing over something, you don't have to keep reminded about it. You can just go off. They'll, they'll keep doing what they were doing, you know? So, mm-hmm. but, but you also asked about the, the father issue. And I will say this, that I see that as a common pattern as I've done research and studied over the years. Um, many different cases of uh, people that have struggled with homosexuality. It is not always the case, but nine times out of ten, there is a daddy one somewhere. And that, mm-hmm. that goes with, uh, that goes with uh, gays and lesbians as well. It's, it's mm-hmm. both male and female. And I find it interesting that we live in a time now where fathers are so scarce. You know, yeah. you don't have real fathers uh, on the earth today. You have men that create babies and then disappear 
And, you know, it's just the, I mean, even where I work, you know, we, we're literally like a warehouse for kids that nobody wants. You know, mm-hmm. it's sad to say, but it's true. And, you know, these, there are so many people, young people on the earth today that have no father, sometimes don't even have a mother. And so they have no direction and no guidance. And I believe that was a design of the enemy to attack this generation. I believe that that's why we're seeing homosexuality exploding the way that it is, because there's such, there is a mass influence that's behind it. And, you know, um, I mean, I can tell you this as well, you know, just with the people that I run into on a daily basis, they, you know, may criticize me for saying that, you know, whatever. It's like, um, I don't understand why people would get mad for the fact that I was able to change something that I wanted to change. I mean, everybody's supporting Bruce Jenner for making the changes that he wanted to make. You know what I mean? So why throw rocks at me just because I say, hey, it's possible to be free from all that instead of embracing it. You know, yeah. I'm just like anybody else. I'm just saying I've made, I decided to make some changes in my life, and that was one that I wanted to make. And I didn't mm-hmm. do it on my own. I had to have God's help. But does that make sense? You know, it's like. Yeah, totally. I mean, you I mean, you were living the life of someone that, that you weren't. You accepted a persona a, right. that was that was given to you by some type of spiritual influence that wasn't you. You were mm-hmm. you were living the life of somebody that wasn't you. And people do that every day, whether it's um, homosexuality or not. I mean, this is what addiction is. And this is the, you know, that driving sinful nature, that force behind addiction, whether it's drug addiction or shopping or food addiction or whatever. This is that driving force that says, more, 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 give, 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 consume, 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 right? So there's this force behind there. You're playing out a role that's that's not you. And so you felt deep down that that wasn't you. And that, and that's one thing that I was, you know, that I was kind of going to, you know, interject as that I know those who would be for the homosexual agenda, those, you know, militant homosexuals would tell you that, hey, this guy really wasn't gay. This guy right. was just confused. He was just trying to find himself. You do you do not speak for the rest of the gay community. You were just confused, and you wasn't gay. You experimented a little bit, and now you're fine. You know, you, you right. were always straight. What What would you say to that? Mm, no, man, I was militant myself. Um, I was the type of guy where if somebody said something about me being gay, I would haul off and punch them. You know, um, I wasn't I wasn't in any way uh, confused about my sexuality. Uh, you know, I, I was in it with both feet. I'm just that type of person. I'm a, I'm a very passionate person. And when I believe something to be true, I'll fight for it to the death. You know, that's just the way I am. I was a very big activist, um, in homosexuality. You know, there, there, I mean, I was in it for 14 years. You know, you can't tell me that I was just dabbling, uh, for 14 years. I was, you know, I was literally, in the bars every weekend, I was involved in, you know, all kinds of activities during the week, pride, uh, parades, you know, things along those lines. And um, I even worked in, in a printing company where we uh, put out the, the local gay magazine that was published and, and distributed throughout the clubs. You know, um, it, it, it was just that, you know, there's a difference in being confused about your identity in the sense of, you think that your behavior is your identity. And so I believe that that sexual part of me 
was my identity. And it took some real work and some real um, research and some real prayer (laughs) and revelation from God for me to see that that behavior was not my identity. And so once I was able to see that, that, you know, my identity comes from being created in the likeness and the image of God, then I was able to see how I had actually believed a lie about myself. And it's the same lie that a lot of other people believe about themselves that believe they are murderers or thieves or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be, pedophiles, uh, you know, yeah. any, any of those kind of things. People believe that that's who yeah. and what they are. And yeah. so, you know, it's a lie. And it's a lie that is meant to uh, destroy you. It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a tool that the enemy uses to get us caught up in bondage to lifestyles that enslave us. And so to me, listen, the main thing for me is that I have so much compassion for people who have same-sex attraction and, and who deal with um, sexual issues and, and this, uh, the, you know, the same matter that I do. And in fact, that's why I help a lot of people and counsel them, you know, because especially the ones that want to change. And um, there's a book that I would also want to plug just for the sake of, uh, because it was so instrumental in my own understanding of all this. And it's not a Christian book. It's a, it's a psychological book that was written by a guy named Joseph Nicolosi. And he's a Jewish guy that is a, a psychologist. And he studied this. Uh, he studied homosexuality for over 30 years. He has a book called Shame and Attachment Law. And, Basically, what he, he breaks it down into the whole thing about shame. And one of the things that I have studied uh, through that whole process as well is some people are probably familiar with Brene Brown, and, uh, you know, she talks a lot about vulnerability and uh, things like that. But she also talks a lot about shame. And shame is the number one thing that I dealt with for years and years. Um, you know, I was so... Um, shackled to shame because I had been exposed by people. I had been betrayed by people. I had been abandoned by people. You know, like I had literally gone through so much as far as um, the pain of of friendships and relationships and things like that. And, uh, you know, I had to realize that shame was what was keeping me bound. And so once I got over the shame, that's why now I share my story without any fear because I have to tell the truth. And I have, you know, nobody else is standing up and saying this is the way that it is. There are, there are some others. I, I don't mean that literally. I just mean it seems to me like I'm like, where are the people that have experienced this freedom? Because I know there are more than just me. And I think it's time, especially now, for us to be vocal yeah. about it and say, you know, if you want to change, you can change. That God yeah. will change this. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, including myself, who have said, you know what. God loves the homosexual, and I'm just going to show love to him. I'm just going to be love. I'm just going to show love and walk in love towards them. And I think that's true. I think that should be our heart, definitely. But I think totally. that if you love them, you you know they you know what I'm saying you uh, should tell them the truth. You should tell them the way right. out of that bondage, and, and and not in a militant, you know, crazy way, but just out of just out of compassion, especially someone like yourself who is in a perfect position because you've been through that stuff. Like, you know, 
I mean, you know the strongholds that are there. You know the mindsets that are there because it is a stronghold. Just like you it were is. saying, like it was hard for you to function coming out of that. Like the different spirits that you had to be free from, that the Holy Spirit had to cleanse you from for you to even just be level-headed coming out of that stuff, man. And so that's the right. power of God because this stuff is a spiritual warfare because the scriptures declare that we war not against flesh and blood, but of powers and principalities in high places. Right. Right. And these are these and these are thought forms. These are vibrations. These are imaginations that what exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. This is what we're fighting That's against. Right. We're not fighting against Absolutely. people. We're not fighting against Bruce Jenner and Barack Obama and all this stuff. We're fighting against spirits. And these are spirits who have been here for a long time. They're mentioned of in the holy books, like you were talking about having this entity come upon you as a child. It's it's written of right. in in um, some of the holy books is, is known as the the succubus spirit that comes That's upon it. young men in the middle of the night and entices them to orgasm while they're sleeping. These are spirits that work. I've seen it firsthand. I've had it happen to me. This is what we call wet dreams and things like that. But I've seen it. I've I've seen to where I was addicted to pornography and been looking at it. And my dog, who was neutered and who has never done this before, what I was looking at, and my my little dog behind me was humping an uh, an animal, a little a little stuffed animal. He was humping. Mm-hmm. He was neutered. He he doesn't have that drive anymore, and he's never done it before, and never done it since. And that scared the piss out of me when I seen when I was looking at that, and I knew I was in sin, and I I could feel the chill bumps because I was doing something forbidden that I knew the Holy Spirit wasn't going to be a part of, and I knew that I was going to be you know stepping on some some ground that I shouldn't and I looked behind me and my and my dog was doing it right behind me. You're talking about spiritual warfare, man. This stuff happens. Right. And so I want you to go into a little bit of detail as well, man, um about the fact that when you confessed Christ, when you called out to God and you knew you was a, a sinner in need of a savior and you asked him to take this from you. And you've been and you said you've been celibate nine years did the urges leave, or was this something, or was this a daily battle? I mean, what happened? Was you was the attraction still there, and it's something that you had to drown out by prayer, fasting, and supplication, or was it this instant gratification that you know what, I'm complete, I no longer need that, I know who I am, or was it like that? What did you experience? Well, it's like this. Um, it, I definitely would say that I have still had the thought. Uh, you know, fly through my mind at a time. You know, like I still will mm-hmm. uh, just catch myself without even thinking yeah. about it. It's like a secondhand mm-hmm. reaction to, to to look at somebody that I find attractive, and I'll be looking at them for a second, and then realize, like, wait a minute, what am I doing? You know, like, yeah. it, and it's and it's like, but the thing is, is that it, there's not a drive there anymore. You know, there's there's yeah. not the drivenness uh, for that okay. type of thing, and so yeah. I experience immediate freedom. Um, yeah. Once I uh, had the encounter with the Holy Spirit and the, demo- the demonic spirit left me and uh, all of that, um, that, you know, I found immediate freedom. Now, it's sort of like the thing where, you know, they say, you know, the birds can fly around, but don't let them make a nest in your hair. You know, like, you know, the thoughts, uh, the enemy will still come and he will still try to yeah. But it's like, you know, I see what he's got for what it really is, which is it's like he's got this apple, but he's got a handcuff in it, you know, and it's like he's offering me something that may look appealing, but there's a hook in it. 
It's like he's got okay. a haircut. He's trying to shackle me back up. And I've been down mm-hmm. that road so hard for so long that I go, man, you can take that and get to stepping. I don't want it, yeah. you know, and I'm not okay. even I'm not even tempted. There's no temptation there. It's uh, it's like my friend John, you know, he said, like, for me, the sin would be like me going outside and eating dirt out of a mud puddle, you know, like there's just, mm-hmm. there's just no temptation there. And so yeah. I, I can't say that I've never been tempted. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, just yeah. a few years ago, I ended up in a, in a really uncomfortable situation where, um, you know, there was this attraction that was happening between me and another friend and we were roommates at the time. And it, and it was so awkward and I, I could not like, I don't know what was going on. It was just like this massive trial that I went through is the best way that I can describe it. And, um, you know, to be honest, there was nothing about him that I found attractive, really. It was just that for whatever reason, there was a spirit. And I found out later on that he had these sexual things that were going on in his life that were still massively open doors. And what I was experiencing was the spiritual stuff that was on him. And it was trying to mess with me and, um, you know, you will definitely find yourself in some of those situations. It's taken me a long time to realize that not every yeah. thought I think is my thought. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I want to kind of touch on a little bit more, just a little bit deeper. Because sure. I know there will be people who say, okay, well, you're having these thoughts. So because there's, you know, there's this movement to stop Christians from trying to so-called convert homosexuals. They're trying to make it right. against the law for you to try uh-huh. to pray for, um, you know, for you to try to pray the gay away. They're trying to make that against the yeah. law. And so what I would say is the fact that you still have, you know, you know, these thoughts keep creeping back. And so some would say, okay, you're trying to fight it. This is what this is the way God made you. The Christians tried to change you. You're trying to convince yourself that this is not you. But see, it's still there. It's still there. Why don't you go? I mean, why are you trying to fight God? God created you this way. Why are you trying to fight him? And I think it goes hand in hand with what you said. Just because that thought is there doesn't mean you have to act upon it. Because if that was the case, if we if we acted upon all of our thoughts, especially the sinful thoughts that change the course of our of our destiny of our lives, then there's no telling where we would be. Right? I mean, what right. if you acted upon the thoughts that you wanted to to choke somebody every time they mm-hmm. said something you know condescending to you? What about if you uh you know have you ever wanted to rob a bank? Have has that thought ever crossed your mind? You know these mm-hmm. these these different thought crimes. So just because that thought's there doesn't mean obviously you have to act upon it. And just because those urges or questions are there. You know, just those questions in general. I wonder what that's like. But you have to weigh the consequences, right? Because it will change destiny. Like some ground you can't, you know, some things you have to, uh, you know, you can't um, entertain. Because if you do that and you begin to act upon them, then you begin to, uh, you know, allow room for the enemy to move and you allow fertile soil for that seed to grow. And once you act upon it, once you speak it out, you begin to create it, and you and then you allow it to pass from the imagination into this physical reality once you do that. And I think that's where a lot of this stems from, because even as a teenager, I've had the questions, even as a little boy, without, you know, with not having a father figure, and then having an older uh, person come around and show me that love and, and show me and take time to you know, to mentor me and play basketball with me and, and take me places and spend money on me as a kid. 
you know, I've had those experiences too, and that person winded up being a homosexual and being somewhat of a predator. This person tried to make passes on me and, and you know, kind of, you know, I had a situation where this person fondled me while I was asleep, right? And so I trusted this person. I, I had no idea that this person was gay. But those um, those feelings that I didn't experience from a father figure, from not having a father, those those um uh you know that that a love and that compassion from the male figure which all human beings needed like we need that right and so right. because we're built a certain type of way and when i didn't have it but as a kid i didn't know i didn't need it i needed it right i didn't know that and then so this person shows up starts showing me this type of affection as a father figure and then this person is a predator right and 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 honestly, that's happened on more than one occasion for me, right? And they and it was right. so weird about that, and it's a spiritual tie to it because those spirits that are in those people, they know those people who have who have who have um, grown up without a father. They know mm-hmm. those people who are vulnerable. They can see you yeah. a mile away. They, you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, absolutely. They're not, yeah. And so they can see that that uh you know chink in your armor that there's no defense system there there's no defense mechanism and so when they make little passes and they're really touchy-feely you know what i'm saying they'll touch you they'll try to break through that spiritual force there they'll put their hands on you just just see what you do like a like if you go up to like a like a like a man like a grown man and try to put your hands on them, they're not going to allow that to happen but it's someone mm-hmm. who had that affection you put your hands on someone you create a you know this this a spiritual bond there especially when right. there's a of it and i've seen that in many cases and that's also why they tell you not to let uh you know in in like church circles you know why you know men and women shouldn't you know pray for each other um you know especially one-on-one because you create this this bond whenever you touch someone just, just that simple touch um and even the esoteric science goes back on that as far as like you know touching the uh, premature babies to actually pick them up and hold them and they can feel the love and they can feel the energy and it, and it actually helps them develop. And even mm-hmm. children supposed to hug your children, put your hands on them, play with them, pick them up, things like that. And, and when you don't do that, it creates this, this association there. And there's so much science on there. There's so many documentaries there. And I guess while we're speaking on it, I would um, suggest the, um, the documentary, um uh it's a uh, moving forward the um the zeitgeist moving forward documentary and so there's a lot of the psychological uh aspects that are in that one and they definitely go into the touch um um aspect and these aren't christian people these you know these are secular scientists who are just breaking right. down the science on it and so that's why we tie in the spirituality with it because i believe science and spirituality goes hand in hand but, um, oh, I it think, does. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, you bring up an interesting point there. One of the things that I actually forgot to mention as we were going through my story was in the very beginning, I was born prematurely. And I was actually born at seven months. And they had to put me in an incubator. And my mom didn't get to hold me for like the first two weeks after I was born. They didn't think I was going to live. And so they had me in an oxy hood. And um, the day after I was born, the pastor that married my mom and dad came in. He was a Lutheran pastor, and he baptized me with a solo cup of water, just putting drops on my head, you know, and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, I had 
found an article. I mentioned Leanne Payne earlier, and I've, I've read just about everything that she's put out. Um, if you're if you're if you happen to be listening to this and you're seeking some, just even if you're just looking for some kind of uh, answers, just something to read that might maybe you know be just a beginning of the journey for you. Whether you're you're just sort of wanting to check out just to see what this stuff is about, read uh, Leanne Payne's book, The Broken Image. And um, but I found an article that she had written on premature babies and how they have this deep-seated uh, abandonment deep inside of them. And that was one of the things that I have wrestled with my whole life. That, and in fact, even after the Holy Spirit, I've had a lot of things that, you know, the sexual stuff for me um, in the beginning, it was like a year on that journey where I was tested and tried so many times that I finally just got to where I was like, okay, I don't even really have to worry about this anymore. You know, it was like God was moving me into deeper things. There were other areas where I needed healing, and so we started focusing on other stuff. But, um, you know, it, it was like when I found this article by Leanne Payne, I started to realize this, and so I asked the Father to come in and just ask the Holy Spirit to come and comfort that child that was inside me and, and bring healing to those places where I felt abandoned. Like, I remember going to see E.T. with my grandmother in the movies. It was one of the first movies that I saw in a theater. Actually, I was with my mom, my, my dad. Uh, but I was with my mom, and there's the scene where E.T. is in the in the thing, and he's hooked up to all the tubes, and Elliot's next to him. And, and like, uh, you know, I slipped out in that scene. It was like I had uh, memories from being a little child in that oxyhood. And it was, you know, you know the scene I'm talking about where E.T.'s in the, like, uh, freezer or whatever they had him in that thing? Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I flipped out. Like, to this day, I'm kind of claustrophobic, you know? I can't mm. stand to be yeah, picked yeah. up and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I freaked out. My mom was like, what is wrong with you? And I couldn't explain it. I didn't know then why it freaked me out so bad. But it was like I was having flashbacks to when I was a premature baby in the hospital. And, uh, you know, because I would just scream and cry. It was like I just wanted to be touched and loved. And so that was another thing that was a, a reality in my life back then. And uh, still to this day, you know, they like they didn't think I was going to live, but I did. And um, they had to take me off the oxygen. It was like a it was like a live and die situation. And but if they kept me on the oxygen, my lungs would never be developed. And then uh, if, you know, they took me off of it, there was a chance that I wouldn't be able to breathe on my own, but they had to take a chance. And sure enough, I pulled through it. And um, so that's a, another interesting thing. And Leanne Payne has a, I just happened to find this article online while I was Googling different subjects that she talked about. And this was mm-hmm. a particular article that was never in a book or anything. And it, it gave me a lot of insight into what I was dealing with and how to pray about it, how to communicate with God about it. And so... I want to take this time to move on to the next section of this this interview. Sure. Um, even as we're talking about this, if you're listening and you feel this uneasy wrestling in your spirit, you got some things that you're dealing with, and you you bear witness with some of the things that we're saying, and you know that what we're saying is true, but but there's this anger within you. You know, you don't want us to be right. You want us to be, uh, you know, making this stuff up. You want us to be. Uh, bigots, you know what I'm saying? But but you want to be free at the same time. So I just want you to let that part of you that wants to be free, that wants to walk in your true identity and to stop wearing the mask and stop being the victim 
and come out from among circumstance and be who God created you to be and not assume someone else's persona, not be defined by what you do or what you did or what someone else did, but be defined by who Christ says you are. And that we understand that Jesus says, he steps into the situation even now. He says, behold, I make all things new. And if you want all things to be made new, if you want a fresh start, if you felt like you were born a, a certain type of way, with homosexuality or whatever, you just, you're just confused. You want freedom. We understand that you could become born again. And so if you're listening to this and this is you, we're going to lead you in a prayer. We want to pray for you. We want to pray over you. And we want to see you walk in your true identity and understand that you are loved, that you are precious, you are more than a conqueror, you are righteous. You don't have to perform. You don't have to be somebody you're not to win the affection of God. That you are loved and accepted just by being who you are. And then, so if you're listening to this right now and you want to come into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins, who took the punishment that you deserve, that you and I deserve for our sins that we transgressed a holy God, that we sinned against him uh, in thought and in deed many times, and we deserve punishment. We, uh, If we were to stand before a just God or a just judge, if you stole something or you murdered someone, you would have to pay. You would have to pay for your crime. You would have to pay for that. But this is the moment where we're standing in the courtroom and Jesus walks in. He takes the blame. He erases the debt. And he lets you go free. He's that scapegoat. And so all of this was done by him not only hanging on the cross, shedding his blood for the remission of our sins, but dying the death of a murderer and of a thief who never stole anything, who never killed anybody, but he took that. And when he died, he went and he was buried into the, in, in, in the tomb and for three days, all hell rejoiced and thought that they killed the Son of God, that they that that the redemption was over, that there was nothing that, you know, that God can do. But on the third day I just want to declare unto you that Christ rose and he defeated sin, hell and the grave, and he conquered death, that we wouldn't have to taste death anymore. This, my friend, is the gospel. This is the free gift gift of grace that comes only through Jesus. It doesn't come through Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna. The grace and forgiveness of sins comes only through the person of Jesus Christ. So if that's what you want to do, if you want to accept that free gift, if you want to experience the person of Jesus Christ to come and cleanse out all the, the evil you've ever done, all the sins you've ever committed. If you want to feel that freedom, I'm going to get AJ, I'm going to get Alan to lead you in a prayer of repentance. 
and to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and be your personal Lord and Savior. If, that, right. if that's so, you, I just want you to I just want want you to take it, Alan. All right. Uh, yeah. So if that's you and this message is spoken to you tonight, and you want to receive this, just repeat after me and uh, do your best to just relax and you know try and be at rest, be at peace. I just release peace on you right now uh, to just be tuned in and uh, just turn your affections towards Jesus right now. And just repeat after me. Father God, I come before you tonight and I confess that I have made a mess of my life. I'm a sinner and I want to be set free. I just admit that I need you to be my Lord and Savior. Please come and fill me tonight. Cleanse me. Take away all the hurt, all the pain. Let me feel your love. Let me feel your joy. I give my life to you. Wrap your arms around me, Lord. Lead me and guide me. I ask you for the Holy Spirit tonight to come into my life, to fill me, to make me a new creation, to change me and let me walk in the fullness of your love, in the fullness of your joy. I give it all to you, Lord, because you gave it all for me. And I just, right now, I feel like there are some people that are feeling the Holy Spirit's presence. Mm-hmm. You're feeling the warmth right now. And that is the presence of God. He's showing you his love for you. He He's not mad at you. And he loves you immensely, regardless of what you've done. We, we're we all in the same boat. And so if you're feeling that right now, that's his way of letting you know he's smiling on you. He's welcoming you into the family. Be at peace. Be at rest. In Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Amen, man. Oh, I feel it myself, man. This is a beautiful feeling. And yeah, um, me too. I know that we don't, you know, we don't, um, you know, walk by our feelings, but you know, when your friends around, like you know, you know it. And I, I, I just, I just feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's one thing. It's something that we receive by faith, but. But there's a power and a manifestation that comes that I remember when I got born again, man, those months before that, I just felt so lonely. I felt so depressed. I, I, I was, you know, always thinking about suicide and things like that. And when I confessed my life 
and um, my sins and gave my life to Christ, I never felt alone anymore. Sitting in an empty house, I always felt like I had somebody there with me because there was any moment that I could talk to him, I can pray to him, and he would show up and he would move. And there would be times that I would go through some of the things that you went through where you were just peeling back the layers, and it was hard, man. It was something I had to walk out. And those demons, you know, they wanted to fight. So I would just get into in, 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 into a prayer time and open open the scriptures and begin to read and worship God. And all of those voices would, would, would uh, begin to uh, be quiet. And his voice would get louder and that presence would get stronger. And I would know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And there's so many... Absolutely promises man within his scriptures and they're real man it's not this i mean if this was a theory man this i, I wouldn't do it I, I i don't deal with theories i don't deal with conspiracies i deal with truth and so the truth who is in the person of jesus christ man and this is a this is a tangible relationship with the creator of the universe he created everything man he's the author and finisher of your faith and he knows every number of hairs that are on your head. He knows everything about you. He knew you before you were uh, formed in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. So why not bring all your cares and troubles to him? Why not bring your, your glories and triumphs to him? Why not bring your questions and doubts to him? Because now, if you said that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart, you're saved. You're in, you That's are right. now in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is not something that you're going to inherit. Heaven is now, baby. Heaven is now. That's the right. kingdom of heaven dwells within <laughs> you, and you're going to be yes. a walking manifestation of that of that kingdom on this earth as it is in heaven. You will be a representation of that kingdom. And so you just begin to be blessed and overfilled. And so we just pray that you receive that joy and that your joy uh, be made full in the name of Jesus. And so any unclean spirits, any negative spirits that are out there that want to lie to you and deceive you and they want to hang on, we just say, be thou loosed in the name of Jesus. We speak in the authority of sonship right now, and we just command you to be loose. The scriptures declare that where one can set a, a thousand to flight, Two can set 10,000. And so we just join our faith with everyone listening. And we just speak that blessing over you to receive the peace even now. So I just want you to raise one of your hands, even as you're listening to this, and receive the peace of God. Now, peace be still. Come into the rest of God. Amen. I just want to release something over this uh person that's in the chat, Scryman 3. Okay. Um, I just want to release, he was saying something about reading the Bible has been really hard for him. And um, I just want to say to you that uh, the Holy Spirit is the way that we actually can understand the Bible. Like, I could never understand the Bible without asking mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit to help me. And so I just want to uh, just bless you, brother, and just and just release right now the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life to help you understand, to be able to read the word and to be able to um, understand what it means. 
And um, I realize that you're you're saying something about you're going through a difficult time. You might be detoxing or whatever right now. And I just want to speak into that uh, situation and just pray for uh, just a greater anointing on your life to help you get free and to stay free. And um, that you would not only be free, but that you would just start experiencing the kingdom of God everywhere you go in your life, especially in your private times. Like right now, you said, you, you said, loose, I'm going to sit back. Yeah, that's good, man. Just sit back and let Jesus minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit of God come and minister to you, the great spirit. And, uh, yeah, I just release more of his presence on you right now into your life and just that you would just feel his love tangibly, even right now, that you would find mm, you, that Lord. those things would be loosed right now in Jesus' name. He said he's feeling me. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I'm feeling it, man. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, there's a, also, I feel like there's somebody that's not on here right now, but they're going to be listening to this later, and I, I don't know who you are, but uh, I just really feel like the Lord is saying that... Uh, you're, you're listening to this message, and it's it's really speaking to your heart, and you're just sort of lost, and you don't really know where to go, which way is up or down anymore. You've kind of been through it all. You've been through the ringer, and um, you just want peace in your life, and you just want to know what life is all about, and uh, the Lord just really wants you to know that if you come to Him just simply like a child, that He'll reveal Himself to you, and it's so simple. You know, it's just as simple as sitting and talking to him just like I'm talking right now. It says uh, we come like little children to our father. You know, you come like a little child. When you're around a little child, they just trust and they just, they're very simple. They don't have any preconceived notions or anything like that. Uh, And, you know, they're just who they are. They're just vulnerable. And so the Lord loves that. And he just says to you uh, that if you will just come and be like a child, he's going to show you things that you never knew, things that you never could have even imagined. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So Amen. we're gonna put this podcast in 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 the archives, but I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna have this one out there for everybody, man. We're not gonna. This is gonna be for the members and for those just on YouTube as well. So I, I believe that this is gonna go out there for everybody, and so um, I believe that we did a lot of you know prayer and um, set the intention before we did this and. You know, I'm believing that uh, many people will see and, and and fear and come to know the Lord through this 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 podcast that we did tonight, man. We we uh, I think we opened uh, you know a lot of doors tonight, and there's a lot of stuff that that we still need to break down. And I think we're gonna go into some different podcasts about. Like I wanna I wanna go into another one um, about the cutting, and we talk about. <coughs> the spirits behind that and, and the different, uh, you know, body modifications and things like that. Um, and, you know, that's something that, that um, I've dealt with as well. So I want to do another show with you on that. We could we could speak to that. And so the Lord's just having me release some things on there. I'm going to do some videos uh, on healing in, in that area as well. So we got yeah. a little time uh, left, man. If you want to, If you want to touch on anything else, you just let me yeah. know, man. Actually, I do. I have another uh, another thing I wanted to say. Uh, I also feel like there may be some fellow brothers and sisters out there that may be listening to this, and they're sort of uh, wishing that we might have talked a little bit about, um, you know, how to go, how to approach this type of ministry in love, telling the truth in love. And uh, I just wanted to touch on that for a minute. 
because one of the things that I have found personally, um, especially as someone who, I mean, I used to have people come up and hand me tracks, you know, at just various places and uh, things like that. People would come up and, you know, I mean, I used to dress pretty crazy, like, you know, so it was, was, I was a little flamboyant, you know, so, I mean, you can tell right off that, you know, what I was up to and uh, just not looking at me a lot of times. And so I would have people give me tracks and come up and try to tell me about Jesus or even people knocking on the doors and this and that. And um, the thing about it is, is that uh, I feel like a lot of times, especially today in this era, people kind of put the cart before the horse when it comes to ministry. And uh, a lot of times we approach people, say homosexuals or whatever, you know, uh, LGBT, LGBT people. And uh, it's like we have this uh, agenda to, to try to, you know, really straighten them out and stuff like that. And the whole thing is, is that for me, I think it would be a lot more effective if we approached it from the standpoint of, you know, just get them in the doors, man. Let them come in and experience God. Let them experience Jesus. And, you know, once they have that experience, once they have that encounter, he'll straighten the rest of it out. You know what I mean? It's like, we don't really have to so much go around publicly proclaiming everything from the rooftops about what we believe, you know? I mean, that's one thing if you're a big minister and you're speaking from a podium or something, whatever, you know? But I just mean in the the everyday, day-to-day life, like you got people, I I don't know, I have people around me every day that believe all different kinds of things and from all different types of faith and uh, background, sexual orientation, what have you. And, you know, for me, it's like really more about me demonstrating the gospel by my actions and by my words and by the way that I treat them than it yeah. is for me pointing out their faults and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And so I just feel like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, that love is the answer. Love is the key. And acceptance is the key. You know, most gay people are dealing with so much rejection and yeah. they've had so much abandonment in their life. And so when you reject them, uh, or when you put that uh, that wall up there, it's like you'll never be able to go through that door with them. You know, it's like uh, they're they're not going to let you in anymore. You know, so you've got to just let your guard down a little bit. You've got to be vulnerable and just get to know them and develop a relationship with them. You know, just you never know what will happen, where the Lord may take it. Now, you know, and be led by the Spirit, of course. If you feel led to say something and, and there's a moment where, you know, it's appropriate to, to speak the truth, and by all means, do it and do it in love. But for the most part, I feel like we just kind of alienate ourselves from the world as a as a, as the church, and um, I think we're not doing anyone any favors by doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that it's healthy for us to be out there in the darkness, in the places where the light needs to shine, and of course, Derek, I know you understand this, but uh, I just feel like maybe there would be some listeners that you know, for them, this whole concept is new. They, they're interested, or maybe they know some people that are living in that lifestyle, and they don't know how to approach talking to them or, or whatever, you know. And, like, it's okay to just be their friend. It's okay to just yeah. love on them. It's, you know, it's yeah. okay to have no agenda and exactly. just make friends, you know what I mean, and exactly. develop a relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Just simply do what Jesus did, you know what I'm saying? Just show love to those who... Um, haven't received love, and show those to those uh, show love to those who are used to receiving hate, especially from Christians. Um, we have a, uh, I believe we have a caller, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out. Uh, I think his name is uh, Damon Holzer. Okay. I don't know if you're trying to get on Damon, if you had a comment or something, man. Uh, are you there? 
Yeah, man, I was just checking out you guys' show, see what you guys were talking about. So. Oh. Yeah, man. Cool, what's up? Funny, you guys were talking about, uh, like, Christians showing a lot of hate. The fact of the matter is, I think a lot of Christians are controlled by media, which, you know, media yeah. is just a mind plant bell. Most of the most of the media is run by bell worshippers. Most people don't know that, but yeah. the, you know the hidden hand between the masonry or the Jesuit or mm-hmm. whoever Jews, whoever's running it, is irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, is that the media is basically directing Christian anger and hatred towards whatever agenda they're pushing, especially yeah. in the United States. So, you know, I think uh, you know you're seeing the backlash. Uh, against homosexuals, the Islamic uh, communities. Um, and you just see a lot of that being, those seeds being planted and watered constantly and daily uh, from the barrage of media. And, you know, that's a big problem in the Christian community. They really have got to stop trusting the media and look at look at really God's Word and really start looking towards the things that are important, like you guys were talking about, showing love and yeah. getting involved. Cut off that TV, man. Throw that thing out. That thing is <laughs> that thing is like, it's showing you so much Baal worship. I mean, from, I mean, it's just teaching us to sin. Yeah. Showing us sin. It's crazy. Thing, it really it, is. Man. The, the book of Psalms, David said, I won't even look on evil. But yet people are watching all these murder shows and all yeah. this and Dancing with the Stars and just stuff. You know, those are probably old shows. I mean, I don't even know. But, uh, <laughs> it's still on, man. It, I think it came on earlier. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree completely. It's uh, that's one of the things that I see. Um, you know, because I'm I'm a sort of uncouth Christian in the sense of I have some pretty unorthodox friends. You know what I mean? But uh, just the the people that I'm connected to on Facebook and things like that, it's like they're so typical. It's like Captain Obvious. You know, you just you can almost predict what they're going to post about, you know, just yeah. because they pick up the agenda of whatever the media has got going on on the news and all this. And I mean, you know, I believe there's a place in being involved in certain things, especially events like life events and things like that. But when it comes to just the mainstream agenda of everything that's going on, you know, it's ridiculous, man. Like you were saying, it's so, uh, it's so filtered through the minds of all the people that are in control of it. Yeah. The and people, so the people who are in control of it, control the money and most of those people have a love for money and even worse than that they have a love to promote sin amongst god's people because they've yeah. got to take god's people down i mean that's no doubt that that's yeah. the agenda from the get-go from all societies that any remnant of god that's in a society has got to be taken down and yep. the way you do that is you put up the uh high places you put up the groves and you send out um all their traditions and all the uh, sin that got the Canaanites and the other, all the other people that were thrown out when Israel took the land. Then Israel took the land and they fell into the same trap. They started growing the groves back and going to the high places, and you know that's they gotta they gotta get rid of God's people. So you know the media yeah. has, is no Christian helper. I mean I promise you. I mean I'm right. not an insider and I don't know any of that, but I can just look at it and I know the, this is not good for us. Yeah, this stuff is planned out, man. It's um, you know, they put a lot of thought and and I programming into that and I'm so far removed from um what is known as the American church at this point but still have a firm foundation in Christ. My 
obvious my um you know my um my my reaches to the mystics and to the outcasts and things like that but i'm so far removed from that stuff man and it's so it's weird that i mean because i mean understanding even christianity for what it is in the west is nothing like biblical christianity i think that's something we all can agree on and um i think that you know christianity and the um in the East was a spiritual practice, man. It was something that they had, which came over here to the West and became a religion and became a monopoly and something that can, can control the people. And so um, I think there's a remnant of God in the midst of everything. Now, I think there's some who are in mainstream Christianity. I think there are some who are caught up in Islam and, and uh, some who may be just questioning their faith or whatever the case is. But I think there's a remnant, man. And, it, you know what I'm saying, I, I don't even know if they know who they are but um but i i think they're out there and that's kind of what we're just calling out to those who are um you know seeking the truth and 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 seeking something greater than themselves and i think with the media and that's obviously the um you know it's kind of like the trojan horse or whatever and so um with everything we see going on it's just a perfect time just to call for repentance you know what i'm saying and i just see some of my friends personally just being led to repentance as well, just seeing like, look, it's high time to wake out of sleep, to, you know what I'm saying, to put off all the former sins and all of the um, backbiting and the different, you know, um, if they've been hurt or offended by the church or whatever the case is, that's got them acting a certain type of way, to put all that off and just move past that and get everything together um, to begin to seek after God and just live for God Whichever way they know how, because uh, things are getting really, really crazy, really fast, man. And I know we've been saying that for years. It's going to hit the fan, but things are getting crazy, and the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God right now. So there's no reason for us to to stay asleep, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, most people who go into the church, like maybe not God's church, but like the Sunday church, they think that uh, they're... They're there really to be entertaining a lot of people. And the other thing is, too, is that uh, they don't realize they're part of a body and they're supposed to be serving a function. And you're not there to be entertained. You're supposed to be working and busy and not mm-hmm. just showing up on Sunday, eating lunch, and then going home. You're supposed to be doing stuff and having some kind of outreach. And, you know, all of us serve as a finger, a hand, a toe. Uh, you yeah. know, go, go try to run without a big toe. It's, I hear it's not too easy. Yeah. So, you know, people uh, get get uh, I think they get discouraged by the fact that maybe they're a hand and really they're supposed to be a foot, and they need to go find that for themselves and mm-hmm. they find the right church that fits them. And some of us, like me, I'm on the outside. I just do home church with my family. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about the pagan holy days and like Christmas and Easter and all that kind of stuff. And, I've been through it all, man. I've been through it all. Um, I've I've um you know, did all the study and I've removed myself for, for, um, several years and took my family out of it and, uh, separated myself and begun to, uh, you know, observe as much of the Jewish stuff that I could and got into the Hebraic roots and the Messianic Judaism and even got into the Hebrew Israelites and street preaching and really, really extreme with it for a while. But actually here, here lately, man, I've really, uh, I found myself being really extreme with it and, and, and really 
you know, bigoted and, and things like that and, and kind of having a hatred and, and always trying to prove myself to be right. And I had to be right and everybody else was wrong. And, and I had just that spirit about me. So here, here um, recently, man, I've kind of put myself back in the center of it. And, and, and um, you know, we, we started, we started practicing Christmas again. I think last year was the first year we did it in like, eight years or something. Wow. And okay. and it's weird it's weird coming back to it because it was scary, I'm not gonna lie. It's like, okay, so now you know the truth and now you're going back to, to the pagan tree. Now you're going back to the stuff you're not supposed to. But but personally for me it was like a liberation. It's like, you know what, I, I could you know, I, I'm freeing all things or whatever, man, because it, it became really legalistic and became it became nasty, man. It became something that that I don't want to be. It reminds me of a person that I don't want to be with the whole Judaism and I'm right, you're wrong, and I've got to prove you wrong with the Bible and all that. So to to now just simply, my doctrine really is simply love, man, and it's simply um, just doing what Jesus said versus debating about it and, and um, you know, me, having Bible studies and prayer meetings, trying to get to the bottom of what he meant. Like, I've done that. I've done that for years, and Searched the scriptures and um, you know been on street corners preaching with bullhorns in front of the clubs in front of the bars and all of that stuff and debating the gays downtown and so it's like okay that that's I did that the Lord called me to do that He taught me what He had to teach me but now I'm kind of like at ground zero again and so just walking in love you know that's what I came back to and um, I'm happy now man you know it's crazy. Yeah, I've seen the I've seen the Hebrew Israelites who are doing the uh, they're going back to agriculture, where uh, I think it's called the Hebrew sustainable living, where it's uh, mainly people of color and they're going out and uh, you know that they're they're going back to their roots and agriculture culture, like their yeah. culture is agriculture. Yeah. So you know I've seen the gathering of Christ and I've seen. I w- yeah I, w- I was affiliated with those guys. I actually did their website and graphic art back in the days and a lot of the art that you see that they still use i did that back in like 2006 7 8 or whatever i was working with them and and we actually flew those guys in down here to alabama and i went out on the street with them and they raised us up we went we'd go back and forth to atlanta with those guys and uh, i studied under those guys and we got really close to uh, uh brother ricard Shiar, which is like the, the leader right. um of the gathering of christ and stuff so but when they came with the flea doctrine, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, trying yeah. to get everybody to move to yeah. to Egypt or whatever. That's when we backed out. That's when all, all of us backed out of it or whatever. But when they were going to preach righteousness and stuff, you know. Yeah, when he holds that picture up of Caesar Boger, that's pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> boy, that that was a classic moment for me. I was just like, oh wow, that's. Uh, and then he had that book, The Triptych of Poisoners. That was yeah. really, I tell uh, you what, though, man, if you can find them, these brothers still meet, and I actually vouch for these guys, um, which which are um, the root that uh, the gathering of Christ came out of. They came out of a church called the Light and Body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That was their first group, and they were definitely more into the spiritual side of it and more spirit felt. And um, but they had a they had a split, and so. Ricard uh, split off and took the majority of the church with him because he was the one who could break the scriptures down and, and teach it really good. So when they left, they left because of a sin issue. Actually, the guy with Ricard was was sleeping with all the the women and stuff, right? 
And so they they uh, left, and he took most of the church with them. But the but um, uh, light and body of Christ still meet on Skype. And they still have Bible studies and stuff, and so they go into a lot of the holy books, and they they always bring it back to spirituality and stuff, and some real humble dudes. So I've actually uh, talked to one of them who I haven't talked to in a while. You know, I'm saying their leader just the other day who I haven't talked to in years, just going down the the road that the Lord had me on. So I kind of rekindled that. But if you wanted a group to study with, those guys are, you know, what I'm saying really cool, and they're oh, still yeah. into a lot of the you know Hebraic roots and stuff. But they're not. I don't. I don't think they're going to be as militant with it, you know what I'm saying, as some of the other groups. Yeah, yeah, where, where they have a white people passing by and they say, you, you need to come into our kingdom and serve us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think, out. yeah, I, yeah, I don't think um, that the Gathering of Christ did that either. They yeah, were they didn't definitely, do that. Yeah, yeah I've seen um, with Carciar where he street preaches and stuff, man, he is, I mean, it's almost comical, the stuff that he comes up with on the street with the scriptures. I mean, it really is, uh, I mean, it's, it's comical because it's nothing but truth, but it's it's almost like, man, how can people not see this happening right in front of their eyes, you know? Who taught me how to study the Bible, man. Like, I would have, I would search the scriptures and have debates with people, and I would call him up just on the whim and say, hey, brother, and there'd be some scripture on some crazy stuff that no pastor could help you out with. Trust me, the, your pastor couldn't help you. But I would call him up and be like, hey, man, uh, you know, the, uh, I'm debating with this guy and talking about the 144,000, blah, blah, blah. He says that the that we can't be a part of the 144,000 because we're not virgins. And it says that the 144,000 yeah. were virgins. He's like, all right, brother, go to First Corinthians, blah, 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 blah. And I go to it and I open it right up. And, he said, and it says, I have presented you as chaste virgins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wow. He's like, just they know the scripture like crazy. But one thing about it, they know the scripture, but there's no spirit there, man, with those guys. And uh, honestly, they used to make fun of me for, for getting into worship music and things like that. And that's one thing that kind of pushed me away from those guys is they would uh, always make fun of me for, you know, listening to uh, like intimate worship music and stuff. And like, oh, man, that's too effeminate. Oh, you need, you know, you need to be a man. And all hey, that hey, stuff. David threw off that robe and started dancing. His wife said, I don't want yeah. nothing to do with him. He's an embarrassment. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, hey. It was good enough for King David, so yeah, I don't think you could be uh, getting down on anybody for that too much. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I've man, been there, man. Those brothers got it going on for sure. They uh, they got a lot to say. They got some words yeah. that people need to hear because you know, like you said, you're not going to get that in your church. Really, it's kind of off limit. It's one of those they talk about a lot of things that are really off limits as far as the church goes. Like they're not going to oh, yeah. get into that because most of your pastors anyway are. You know, they're preaching on Sunday morning, and then Sunday afternoon they're walking over to the Masonic Hall. So, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, dude, I've tried to teach that doctrine in the churches, man. Like, even, like, all of it, like, as far, even as, you know, the birth of Christ and the Lucifer stuff, like, I've tried to teach it, and it's just so, so far removed from the from just the simplicities oh, of a lot of that stuff. Oh God, man! I got crucified, dude. You know, got got wind of it because I would have I would have discussions with people, kind of like we're having now, and they would just be dropping knowledge, like, "Oh man, I know about the Masons, blah 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 blah," and they'd just be dropping knowledge. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So we're going back and forth, and I just hit them over the head. Well, you know, Lucifer in the scriptures, that's not really the devil, man. And I break it down, 
And then, like, they'll never talk to me again. <laughs> think I'm like a, They're not having it. I think I'm a devil worshiper just because I don't believe that. I'm like, dude, I showed you in the scriptures, man. Like, what's yeah, there to debate about, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just something as simple as that, you know what I'm saying? So, you know what I'm saying, let alone the Elohim and the chariots of fire and the UFOs and things like that that I got into as well. Man, they cut my head off. So we just out here just proclaiming the truth as it's revealed to us, man, you know, well, just loving on people. And I think that's part of the part of the church itself is that, you know, when the Jesuits were running the counter-reformation, uh, counter they made sure that when they set up these churches, they actually put a pastor in there that they could control. And yeah. So they got... You know, a lot of these Protestants, um, while their intentions are good, they just don't go deep enough, and they're trusting their pastors way too much because these pastors got them thinking in boxes. They're not going to yeah. let them stray too far before they put somebody out of the church. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how many pastors are linked up with Jesuits or Masons. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you, but I'm sure it's a lot because for them to all be in tune at these theological seminary schools that they go to and only get the education that's coming out of the seminary and not being able to think outside of that is really, I mean, my mm-hmm. cousin's a youth pastor, which I don't even agree with youth pastors, but, uh, you know, the fact that yeah. he's a youth pastor, he's, he got four years of training in seminary, and he knows the truth about a lot of things, but yet he can't... They can't speak on it. Yeah, he can't speak on it, and he, he just he doesn't think it's important because yeah. of the teacher's told them it was important. Yeah. Well, that, see, that's what really, I think, led me to the to kind of just, you know what I'm saying, kind of remove myself from that was the fact that if this pastor had a, you know, had a revelation on the rapture, right? Just say, they're, just say they're, their current denomination teaches it a certain type of way, and then they fasted and prayed and sought the Lord, and the Lord said, hey, this rapture doctrine is messed up. You know, this is not even going to happen this way the scriptures say that the angels are going to come forth and sever the wicked from among the righteous that mm-hmm. the righteous aren't going to be taken but the wicked are the ones who are going to be taken that's the true doctrine and they you know the lord reveals it to him he can't teach it no. just to keep that to himself if he teaches it they'll remove him get somebody else in there who's going to stick to the you know who's going to just generate that money man and keep that you know that cycle going before too, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because they got those guys yeah. writing books like nobody's business. So. Yeah, definitely. But you still there, Alan? Yes, I'm here. Okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think I think so. That just back to my point that you know, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of the remnant controlled by media where they're living in fear. They're making decisions, you know, with all these shootings, alleged shootings that are going on, and all this terror from. Islamicists and um, uh, whatever else they can put fear in you, whether it's about the police killing you or beating you down or whatever it is. Like, I mean, if you just watch TV, I mean, you are putting yourself in a fear-monger realm. And the Bible is clear in the book of Revelation. It says that there will be no fear-mongers in heaven. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, I mean, for, for me... It's just a big, I just see it all over the place, even with people that are very good Christians, they love God with all their heart, but yet they, they get into this fear-based mind control of television, and they believe everything they're hearing on the radio and everything that they're seeing on television, and they have no idea that all that stuff's being run by Baal worshippers. It's just, uh, yeah. and it really, 
You know, I'm only bringing up on this call because uh, I don't know how many people listen to this podcast. I'm actually stumbled on you guys by accident. I just was just to through, through uh, what was it through talk show or yeah, what? Yeah, through talk show. Yeah, I only log in. Yeah, I, I, I was, I was, I was hesitant to to even take the call because I know there's a lot of people just trolling and stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, so I was like, yeah, so it's all good. Yeah, man, we do. Um, I've talked to a lot of people. I've been around the the circuits and on you know many sides. I've talked with a lot of the. I actually. What what I you know try to do is I try to put myself in this situation where I'm able to talk to a lot of secular people who are into secular spirituality and um, and so I'll just tie the scriptures back into it right and just try to find like a common link about what the scriptures say about whatever they're teaching whatever they believe in because I, obviously the the scriptures is uh, you know what I'm saying a highly spiritual book so that's kind of what I do for the most part and just try to find common ground and find to kind of play off of their their fan base in a sense. So where, um, you know, if I do a show with someone who summons UFOs or whatever the case is, you know, and then so they're going to promote it with their fan base, and then so therefore I'm kind of infiltrating that, that structure um, and coming like a sheep in wolf's clothing in a sense, right? I'm not coming as a, this uh, you know what I'm saying, this militant Christian or whatnot when I still have an agenda, but it's not like, I try to kind of water it down enough that I'm just in the midst of them and just kind of discipling the nations even without the majority even knowing what's going on, you know. So, so that's talking, kind of what you're going to find our so podcast, you know. So you're talking like about like people who maybe follow Jordan Maxwell or maybe David Wilcox. Or- uh, yeah, and, but, and at the same time, I actually like a, a lot of what those guys have to say. Sure. I definitely don't follow any of them, hook, line, and sinker. Um, well, when it comes to statism, they deal with a lot of truth. But yet, yeah. you know, they go outside that into the spiritual realm, and they're clearly traversing into realms of, of demonic um, summonings and um, uh, satanic spirituality, basically. Yeah. And they're calling that good. So, yeah. Trust me, man, up. when you deal with these demons, there's a trade off. They're going to want something in return. Eventually, you think they're there just to serve you, you're crazy. Yeah. No, we had um, I, I've had several long phone conversations with Jordan Maxwell. I, I, really? I'm actually a rapper, and um, I don't know if you've ever heard me. I do with Jordan Maxwell. I do um, I do like spiritual hip hop under the name Truth Truth Seeker. Uh huh. And um, I uh, I started out doing gospel music, and it got more into just just spiritual whatever. Right, took the took the gospel off of it or whatever, as far as just doing just straight Christian music or whatever. And uh, yeah, man. Um, and, and I had, I've had Jordan Maxwell prom- promote my music actually, man. Um, he, um, I've got videos of him endorsing my work and they were doing some fun, some fundraisers for him, like for, with Kickstarter. And I did a, um, I, I actually interviewed him and I was so happy to finally get something that was public to do. Cause He's got a lot of truth, obviously, these dudes do. But but at the same time, it's a lot of poison, too. So I interviewed him, and I was so happy to do it. But the whole time, man, on the interview, it was like he was sucking the life out of everybody listening. And I was getting uneasy, man. I was like, oh, God, like, I can't release this, man. So it was like like we was like an hour and a half into it, and I just cut him off abruptly. All right, Jordan, we appreciate you, man. We're going to have you back again. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, you're blessed, man. Stay blessed. And I, we were trying to... We kept trying to sway him into talking about good stuff, about the future of mankind and what is the hope for the world. And he's like, humans are 
done and humans are so stupid and we're all going to hell and it's over. They've already got us. We don't even know. People are so stupid. They'd rather watch football. And it just got to a place. I was like, oh, God. All right. So I cut him off or whatever. And uh, and we just began to kind of just start speaking the truth. I was like, okay, you guys see where Jordan Maxwell is? Yes. Yeah. knowledge. And, and, and I brought the scripture out of, um, um, I think it's Ecclesiastes. Uh, I forgot the, the, the particular scripture. It's been so long ago. But uh, where it talks about that I, I, I've sought after all the wisdom and all the knowledge that I could obtain and, uh, and, and you know, I basically found it all to be vanity, vanity right. of vanities. And uh, he said, I found it to be vexation of spirit. That was Ecclesiastes 12, I believe. Yeah. So just he said he, he, found, he found it to be vexation of spirit. And it's basically what Jordan Maxwell you know, was going through, man, just vex. If you don't believe in Christ. And exactly. And if you don't believe the Messiah and the Christ, that he is the sacrifice. Because you, you're supposed to be put to death for your sins. Mm-hmm. But... When Christ came, he was the sacrifice. He died. For, the creator died for you. I mean, if that's not the most awesome love story in the mm-hmm. history of mankind, you know, which is funny <laughs> because you go look at, like, um, uh, Big Hero 6, like any of these animation movies they come out with, all these uh, 666 Disney movies and stuff, yeah. they they retell that story, but they retell it from man's perspective. Where yeah, it's, it's, actually, it's, it's actually called The Hero's Journey. Yeah. It's something that's that's played throughout it's it's played throughout everything. Right. And it is a journey that we all go through. Like we have to go through that journey as well. So that story is also our you know what I'm saying, our journey as well. So it's something that is it's kinda universal in a sense, you know. But they won't give Christ his credit. Exactly. They'll, they'll give this inflatable robot his yeah. due and they'll give Wreck It Ralph his due, but mm-hmm. they won't ever approach the Most High or give Him credit for any of the things that He's created or any of the sacrifices that He made or any of the love that He is giving towards His people, even the people who, you know, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, the people that hate Him vehemently, who say, oh, there is no God. Well, we we know they know there's a God because they hate Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.